Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. The issue today, teachers pay. And teachers are restive in the past year. They've gone on strike all across the country seeking better pay and classroom conditions. There's a huge disparity in teachers' salaries around the country. One example, teachers in Kirkwood, on average, make almost twice what St. Louis City teachers make. Teacher pay is at the center of an arbitration hearing here in St. Louis. The teachers' union claims many of its members have been shortchanged, literally, saying they have not received contractually entitled compensation and are being paid less than colleagues with the same credentials. It's seeking millions in salary increases and back pay. Joining me in studio to talk about these issues are Dr. Kelvin Adams, St. Louis Superintendent of Schools, Professor James Schulz is Graduate Program Director of uh, Educational Leadership and Policy Studies at the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Joining us by phone is Otto Fagin, Legislative Director of the National Education Association. Thank you all for being with us. Great to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Adams, let Thank me begin you. with you. Can you tell us where we are in this arbitration process that's been going on this week? Well, obviously, it's a legal um, issue that is being litigated, but can't say too much more than the fact that um, they, there was an arbitration hearing on yesterday, uh, I'm sorry, Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, that arbitration hearing will continue. Testimony was provided from the district as well as the union personnel relative to what they thought the issue might be. I suspect that over the next couple of months, this matter will be resolved in some way or another. A couple of months? Yes. It's going to take that long. Uh, I, I know there's a reluctance to talk uh, while this thing is being uh, arbitrated. Yes, sir. But you can tell us what the what the uh, district's position is. Well, the district's position basically is that um, within the contract, it allows the district to hire persons uh, in high-needs positions, um, obviously at a different salary rate uh, as opposed to persons who might be coming in in areas that are not considered high needs. Uh, so I think the issue for the union is um, certain positions that they assume were high needs were not high needs from their perspective. So I think that's one of the biggest issues that, that's uh, presently being looked at or litigated. Uh, and so that's kind of what this whole notion is about. Well, the, they're seeking $10 million, as I understand it. That's a lot of money. Can the district afford to lose this case? Um, no, it cannot. Uh, but I don't think the district will lose the case. I think uh, it's a matter of interpretation in terms of how the arbitrator will look at this. We feel very comfortable with our position and the facts as they stand. Um, there is a, there's an, a new district leadership. Obviously, this um, some of the facts that are being presented were there 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. But the leadership understood what those facts were. Uh, there's been a change in leadership in the in the local union, and they see this as an issue that they need to bring before the before the arbitrator. I should point out, we have asked uh, representatives from the union to be with us today, and they refused. Uh, I, I'm grateful that you uh, did uh, appear today and talk about it a little bit. They don't want to talk about it while it's being litigated. That, that is correct. Thank you. James, what do you make of this uh, this dispute? Yeah, to me, it, it's it really is a criticism of the single salary schedule to begin with. I mean, the way that teachers are paid by and large is by a, a negotiated salary schedule that says what you're going to make at every step of, of of pay or every step of years of experience and whatnot. I view that salary schedule as what's what you're minimally obligated to pay. In St. Louis's perspective, they have some positions in which they're wanting to pay people more. To me, I view that as a good thing for teachers to be able to pay, be paid more than you were initially supposed to be earning. So I think it's a, a bad policy up front to try to lump everyone into the same boat and pay every, everyone the exact same amount. 
we talk all the time. You've talked before on your program about teacher retention being a problem. The salary schedule, the salary is one of the best levers you have to drive your workforce, to attract and retain people. And if we don't allow any flexibility on the district's part, we're undermining the district. Autophagen, what, uh, what do you say to that? Uh, I think I would say that uh, our association, and we have, a, we have a position on professional compensation, our position is comfortable with local school boards and unions looking at ways to make sure that within our commitment to student learning, we have features uh, like uh, hard-to-staff schools, um, hard-to-serve position or hard-to-attract uh, positions being something that the salary schedule can consider, provided that it's done in a way where there's enough involvement of all folks so that it retains legitimacy and that it's all, you know, in the context of a basic salary uh, system that is adequate for retaining all of the qualified staff in the district. But we're, we're, we're fine with the, the salary schedule comprehending those kinds of factors to make sure we're keeping a hold of the quality staff in the places where they're needed for students. Dr. Adams, it's complicated, isn't it? It's incredibly complicated. Yeah. I don't think people understand just how complicated it is. Uh, when you have 89 teaching vacancies as we have today and start out the year sometimes with 200, you have to be very nimble in terms of what you can provide to incentivize persons who might want to be, uh, uh, become teachers or become teachers in an urban context. It's very difficult across this region to find teachers, not just in St. Louis City, but I would venture to say today in many districts there are vacancies that exist. And if you're not able to create opportunities such that you can provide um, appropriate compensation to staff, then you put yourself in a position that you uh, are not providing the needs of students. From my understanding, it's also very, very hard to retain these teachers. I think in Missouri, and, and one of you or the other gentleman can confirm that one in seven teachers in Missouri leaves every year. Does that sound right to Jim, to Otto? I debate some of the uh, the statistics that Desi has used. I think they're calculating it wrong. But there is a there is a problem with turnover, and it's especially high in urban districts. In St. Louis and in the North St. Louis County school districts, they really struggle with teacher retention. But also throughout the state, we struggle with with attracting math teachers, science teachers, special education teachers, all these subject areas. And this again goes to what I was saying earlier about the single salary schedule. If Dr. Adams needs to attract a, a physics teacher. Uh, it might be adv advantageous to be able to place that individual at a higher point on the salary scale than someone coming in at elementary education uh, where they have a lot more applicants. And so being able to leverage pay to attract people is incredibly important. Otto? Uh, I guess I'll just remind folks, and you know, we have some sympathy for the folks on the other side of the equation here in terms of the administrative side of things, because you have to make sure that what you're doing on a compensation system may, is perceived as fair and legitimate, uh, or you can, you, know, you can see that sometimes there will be there will be problems that come about. And I also think we have to interject into the conversation at this point that we're, we, so far all we've done is talk about pay, uh, but when we look at how teachers experience the teaching position, like everybody else, like every other professional. A huge part of what really matters to them is what does it feel like? Is there, are they able to really put their energy and enjoyment and their internal satisfaction and drive 
to the purpose they thought it was going to be when they come into teaching. They want to feel like they have some say about how they teach. They want to feel like they are being successful in achieving something, and they want to feel like that it's being done for a worthy purpose. We usually don't have trouble on that last bit, but if they don't feel like they're supported, if they don't feel like they have a lot of ability to bring their creativity to bear, they may decide teaching isn't really the right career path for them and move on when it really ought to be one of the best jobs on the planet if we allow that to be the environment that it is. Dr. Adams, how closely does the administration work with the union? Uh, Certainly there are adversarial relationships from time to time, but uh, these are issues in which there, I would think, would be a mutual interest in keeping everybody happy. How do you work with the union? Well, I think there is a mutual interest. Um, I think the the union is uh, concerned about teacher retention. They just see that this is one avenue to do that. Uh, I work very closely with the union, previous uh, union president as well as presidents as well as this one. And so we meet every two weeks and we go over agenda items and spend about an hour, anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour, discussing mm-hmm. ways that we could collaborate. And so for the most part, there's, a, I think, a good working relationship. This is a matter that they feel strongly about um, and a matter that uh, they felt has uh, that has not been addressed appropriately for a number of years. And so it's not just isolated to the time that this union president started, but they look back to see that salaries which were different uh, based on years of experiences, and they felt that this was something that they wanted to bring to the table. We tried to get to some resolution, um, could not get there, and so obviously the the appropriate avenue for these kind of matters are, is arbitration. Mm. Otto, how would you uh, characterize relationship the relationship between administrators and, and uh, the unions uh, in the state of Missouri overall? So when it comes to working on policy, uh, here in you know when we are when we're looking before the legislature, there's a lot of common interest. Uh, obviously, district by district, when you're in the school setting out in the out in the school district, it'll vary depending upon the relationships that have uh, developed over time. But for the most part, the professionals on both the administrative and the instructional and and uh, support staff side are in it together to fulfill the noble purpose of providing a quality public education, and we're always looking for ways to do that together. Uh, That's really why we're so profoundly supportive of the collective bargaining process, where we can get everybody on the same page and say, this we agree to. There is power, there is a cultural shift when you have the governance, the administration, and and the staff all agreeing and promising together to work together on a plan through a bargain agreement. James, how do you see it? Yeah, I think that Otto is, is certainly right on that first part. The, the relationship between administration and unions tends to be strong in the, straight, in the state, and that's why, you know, you ask legislators, they'll tell you the education lobby is, is the strongest lobby in the state because on most issues, they do walk very closely together. And this is an issue in which it's a more internal issue where they're not walking closely together. But I do want to take issue with, you know, one thing that Otto said, especially early, earlier about the union generally being supportive of, of higher pay for certain positions. or, or you know, When we look at, at Denver's teacher strikes, one of the main sticking points that they were striking over, uh, one of the, the bargaining items was removing uh, extra pay for teachers in hard-to-staff districts. They fought to remove extra pay in those places. You look across the board and the unions continually fight against merit pay. They fight against uh, paying people for different types of positions, high-need positions. And so this, this regularly occurs 
Uh, and so I, I don't think that the position is quite as clear that they are supportive of paying people for their performance, for their ability, for their marketability. We know that we need science teachers uh, desperately. We need math teachers desperately. And, and I would love to see the unions offer a little bit more support in those cases. Uh, Dr. Adams, what does the uh, St. Louis uh, system do to pay teachers, uh, compensate teachers for hard-to-fill positions? That's part of what this grievance is about. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the issues here. Mm -hmm. um, that's really the crux of it. I mean, the bottom line is we believe that the hard-to-fill positions we should have some discretion on um, and be a little bit more subjective as opposed to objective. The, the salary schedule is, is objective. It says what it says. It aligns with years of experience. A teacher at this level gives this amount. And uh, subjectively, this is a hard-to-fill position, whether it's uh, early child education, whether it's science or math. And from year to year, those positions change. Um, there, we have science vacancies today, four or five science vacancies today. So if I have a great science teacher coming in, and the science teacher says, well, I'm not going to come unless this is a salary that you can match or because X, Y, Z in the county is going to provide this or East St. Louis is going to provide this, then I should have the ability to be flexible in terms of looking to do that. And how much more is the city willing to pay? Are you willing to pay a teacher to fill one of these positions than one for a, that's not uh, so difficult to fill? I think it's on a case-by-case -case basis. I think yeah. the credentials are to determine that. I think the experience is going to determine that. I don't think it's based on a, a objective fact. I think... The human resources director needs to have the ability to have that conversation with that potential employee and us to sit down and have that conversation with them. One of the issues that I think is lost in this is that uh, when you are negotiating with a potential employee, they're not part of the union at that time. They're not a union member. Mm. They, be, they can't become a union member until they're employed. So I just think that's one of the things that needs to be considered when we look at this. But are we talking a, a, a difference, maybe $5,000, $10,000, $20,000? I don't want to say because I'm not the, 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 the HR director. The HR director has some flexibility, and then they bring, the, bring it to me, and we discuss it from that point in time, if need be. It might be a dollar. I don't know what the amounts and the ranges might be. Um, I really honestly do not. What, what do you think of that system, Otto? Well, I think that what it's pointing out is the the difficulty of of moving into this territory in that, you know, it needs to be legitimate. It needs to be considered legitimate on both sides. And so there has to be, you know, finding that right balance of how do you, how do you uh, have the process be understood uh, in advance enough that there is some comfort and how is there the appropriate level of discretion at the same time uh, to make sure that we are really having a professional compensation system that's adequate and that does help main sh make sure we can attract and retain quality staff. So it's, this is not easy, and, you know, the uh, reference was made to Denver. They spent millions developing a system, so there's also a lot of time and complexity uh, on depending upon how you want to devise your co compensation system, uh, but it always has to be done with the kind of conversation on both sides that makes people feel like, their interests have been heard, and that the thing with, that's agreed to is going to be appropriate and fair and will be implemented uh, in that manner. I'm going to have to take a break now. We're uh, getting to that point where we have to interrupt our discussion. We'll come back and, uh, and continue it. If there's anyone in the listening audience who has a question or comment they'd like to make, we'd like to hear from you at 382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Send us an email to talk at stlpublicradio.org, or we'll take a tweet at STL on air. This is St. Louis on the air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.
And welcome back as we continue our conversation on teacher pay issues with Dr. Kelvin Adams, the St. Louis Superintendent of Schools, Professor James Schultz of the University of Missouri-St. Louis, and by phone, Otto Fagen, Legislative Director of the National Education Association. Now we're joined by Ryan Delaney, our education reporter here at St. Louis Public Radio, who's been in contact with the teachers' union, apparently, right? Hey, Don. Yeah. Um, so we, I, I, you mentioned this at the top of the hour, but we should say we did reach out to um, the chapter of the American Federation of Teachers, uh, Local 4. 20, the union that represents uh, SLPS teachers, and, and, and they did not have someone who was available uh, to come on. But we did uh, get a message from the, the union president, Sally Topping, um, talking about the, the hearings this week that Dr. Adams touched on a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, I, as I reported at the beginning of the week, this arbitration was expected to last up to uh, four days. It's concluded for now, at least in, in, in about two. Um, but one thing we heard from uh, Ms. Topping is uh, some of the, the reasons for the discrepancies that they've learned is when if people left the district at one point and came back um, being placed higher on that salary step schedule that we've uh, been, been talking about, or if people come in uh, with more teacher experience being placed up onto a higher rung of, of mm -hmm. that step schedule ladder. Um, and, and also, um, as Ms. Topping says, uh, more pay if, if teachers come in um, after the school year has started. The example she uses is, is November. They could be given a higher higher salary. Um, you know, I, I think some of this is things that have been talked about in the first segment in terms mm -hmm. of um, just leniency to, to get teachers um, higher onto that salary schedule um, if need be to get them to obviously the district's in a, a tough position if you know there's if there's an opening in November um, mm -hmm. you know that's obviously not an ideal situation to be hiring a teacher in you know three or four months into the school year. Dr. Adams anything there you can or would uh, want to react to? Nothing at all. Huh. Okay. Well, Ryan, thank you for bringing the uh, Teachers pleasure. Union in, into this. We want to be fair to all sides, obviously. We'll move on now in our conversation. And James, let me come back to you because I indicated at the beginning of the program that teachers are restive all mm -hmm. over the country. Are we reaching some kind of a, a tipping point, would you think, with regard to teachers and their relationship with administrators? Uh, at this point in our in our world, it's it's interesting in what is going on right now, and I I honestly wonder if it's part of a uh, a broader movement, partly as backlash to the Janus court hearing that Janus, which is a Supreme Court ruling that gave union members the right to opt out of the union. I I, I honestly wonder, and I don't have any proof of this. this is sort of my own uh, thinking. That it, it seems like unions are, are making a push to stay relevant and to show their members that they are fighting for them, which is a, right, what union leadership should do. They should fight for their, for their teachers. So I, I don't see the, the field being worse today than it was a few years ago or anything along those lines. But to me, it does seem that there is more activation of teachers for sure. Hmm. Otto, what's your take on that? Well, I, first, of course, in, in Missouri, the Janus case is not particularly relevant because that was already the law of Missouri. Um, I think, however, that we need to be cognizant of what's going on with the finances of the state of Missouri. We haven't talked at all about this, but you know, the school finance has a lot to do with the ability of any district to have an adequate salary system and the small schools uh, with you know, diseconomies of scale are kind of most at risk. Uh, already because they have very, very small class sizes. So that means, you know, they, they are not able to deal with as efficiently the fixed cost of a school at the K-8 level or you know, much less a comprehensive high school without keeping salaries 
very, very low. But we also have to look to the future and look at the, the concerns and the storm clouds on the horizon of state finance in terms of the, the federal tax cuts, their impact. Again and again, we've seen state law tax cuts in income tax, in corporate income taxes and franchise taxes. And we are very much now moving into a, a period of time where we may not be able to adequately fund the school finance system that is so critical for school districts all over the state, and especially those rural districts and especially those small rural districts. And so probably you're going to see the already we have the concerns about teacher recruitment because of the environment and the, those kinds of issues and the, the effect of testing mandates and federal and state control. But finance is going to really come to the fore in the next couple of years as the, those uh, tax cuts come home to roost and the state is no longer able to meet its funding obligation. Dr. Adams, where does St. Louis fit in in this storm cloud situation? Uh, I don't disagree with his uh, assessment here relative to the funding. Um, we receive approximately $30 million in title funding and number of positions are funded by title. We are anticipating about a $800,000, $900,000 reduction in that cost. Um, you have tax TIFs that take place, which draw dollars away from local school districts as well. So I, I do think that it, this is a larger issue than just what we're talking about today. This is about how we feel about public education and how we support it across the state, obviously across the country. And so um, there, are, there are storm clouds always. <laughs> always are going to be storm clouds uh, because the funding, um, you know, is a, is a measure of uh, how we are able to pay teachers. If health insurance goes up, we cover the health insurance for employees. So there's so many factors. This is a very, 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 very complex issue. Over the last 10 years as superintendent with a $300 million budget, we've touched a, mi- a billion dollars, if you will, to, to, to try to create wins for kids and wins for teachers and wins for all of our employees. And it is incredibly, incredibly, incredibly complicated. And I, I think there's only one or two people in the state of Missouri who really understand the financing of how funding takes place in the state of Missouri around uh, finances. So it's a very complex issue. It's not an issue that's going to go away tomorrow. We're talking about an arbitration about salaries in St. Louis City uh, as it relates to how teachers are being paid. But the underlying issue here is that uh, teachers don't feel that they're being adequately paid, irrespective of that. We provided a 10% wage increase over the last three years. Um, and uh, we'll be going negotiating with the union next year. Um, but it's still not enough. Um, it's still not enough. And I'm sure that teachers would say that even if they were at a higher level, they would still come back and say, we, we deserve more. Do you have the sense that teachers, uh, as I mentioned to the others, uh, are restive that we've reached a tipping point that they're saying, as the, the movie once said, we're mad as hell and not going to take it anymore? I, I don't get the sense that there's a tipping point. I think there's a, an awareness uh, around what's happening across the country and obviously that awareness will impact how people feel locally as well. Mm-hmm. In the state of Missouri, teachers can't strike uh, because there's a law against that occurring. Uh, so maybe there's a level of frustration that they can't exercise all options that might be available to them um, as they see what happens in Denver and Oakland and, and uh, in other states. So, all strike cities. Yeah, strike states. I, I, I don't get that there's a overwhelming desire to do that. I do get there's a, a level of frustration around what is happening, what might be happening. James, what do you say? Looking for, see looking forward? Yeah, well, in terms of pay, 
We are still recovering from the recession. I have a forthcoming paper I'm still working on right now, looking to see what the impact of the recession was on teacher salaries. And they are down if you adjust for inflation, partly because that during the time of, of the recession, we paused salaries for a few years. So, Wages are down across the board, though. In, right, in right, exactly. Cases. So, and But I think Otto said something earlier that's absolutely right, that teaching is such a wonderful profession. I was a teacher. My wife was a teacher. It is such a great profession. And I worry that... We keep talking about it in so many circles as if it's bad and it's terrible. The truth of the matter is, it's a pretty stinking great job. And I know lots of teachers who love their job. Things are wonderful and great. And I have to make a note that when we're talking about paying teachers more for when we really need to attract teachers, this is what professionals do. If we want teaching to be a professional career, when I'm looking for another job, I negotiate salary. I do that individually as a professor. And if I'm thinking about leaving my university, if they want to keep me, which I hope they do, they'll offer me more money. Mm. This is what professionals do, Mm. and we need to treat teachers like professionals. Mm. Otto, what do you see looking forward? So I I guess I would say that, um, you know, our understanding of best practice in pay is to get it right and get it out of sight. Uh, it's it's really a back-end issue. Uh-huh. It's not, you know, sometimes we hear people talk about motivation and pay at the same time, and that's not really the conversation. Pay is about making sure that you're able to bring folks in and keep them from going somewhere else. Uh, we will have challenges, and the, those rural districts will have challenges in particular. We haven't heard testimony on St. Louis, but we know that Kansas City faces challenges in teacher pay and instructional pay because of the inefficiencies brought about by charter schools. They have, they're spending more of the community resource on boards, superintendents, transportation systems, and more school sites. They have less left, left over for instruction. That is very concerning to us in this session as we're looking at a bill that might expand charter schools statewide, extending those inefficiencies to other districts and affecting teacher pay in that way. And Dr. Adams, uh, you have thoughts about what's what's ahead? Um, I think really what's ahead is uh, there has to be one of my greatest frustrations as superintendent has been uh, the fact that we have not been able to collaborate. We've not been able to put everybody in the same room and try to get to some solutions that support what kids really need. I think sometimes adults get into fights that when you know I, I, there's a saying with elephants fight grass gets trampled mm-hmm. and the notion that we have not been able to collectively do that in this state is incredibly frustrating whether it's on a nonprofit side whether it's on a charter side whether it's a, on a private parochial side we just have not done a good job in terms of doing that uh, the silo mentality I think uh, has had a dramatic effect on what happens in urban centers like St. Louis and so uh, it would be, uh, to answer your question long and short, is what I see on the horizon is that there has to be some more collaboration around what's best for kids. Mm-hmm. I've been asked to ask you a question with regard to the uh, special education. Uh, there is a disparity, obviously, between mm-hmm. special education in the city and the mm-hmm. county. With all the discussion that's been going on now about merging and consolidation, is that likely to be affected uh, to, to, to make these two uh, entities more equal? It is my understanding that Better Together does not include police, fire, and education. That is my understanding at this point in time. Uh, but maybe mm-hmm. somewhere down the road. They uh, maybe somewhere down the road. I think uh, we have a surplus of about $60 million. I think the special... Um, so our school district has a surplus of $155 million specifically targeted to 
uh, special needs kids, and quite frankly, there's an additional tax that comes to support that. So I think there has to be some conversation. If that does occur, what's the obligation of the city in terms of taxing that doesn't occur in the city as opposed to the county? Yeah, we've we got to wrap this up, but I do have one final question for you. A little birdie tells me that you've had a contract on your desk for a while that has been unsigned. Do you plan to sign a new contract? Is that contract on your desk? Uh, yes, sir. I do plan to sign a new contract. I did sign it, quite frankly, two weeks ago. Oh, terrific. Yes, well, I did. Good. Well, thank you so much for thank sharing you. that with us. I want to thank you all so much for thank being you. with us. Uh, Kelvin Adams, congratulations on the new contract. Thank you. Great to have you with us. Professor James Scholes, good to have you with us. Thanks so much. And Adolf Fajan, thank you for being with us. Enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much, Don. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.